episode 27 of Jack F, aka just another Knicks fan. Um, we won't be playing another Knicks game until most likely December 1st, the earliest. Uh, by the way, not too many players are aware the number 27. And in a year full of surprises and scandals, you know, number 27 of the Denver Nuggets, you know, he had his own scandal. Uh, similar to Bill Clinton's in the White House, except, you know, it was on a digital wave when he said that I did not leak the video, even though it was on his IG story. You know, that video was all over the place, but, you know, I wasn't in a rush to, to bump into that video, but it was out there. Um, you know, I seen the pictures of his girlfriend, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, she was cool. And, um, funny that, you know, this college that he went to was called the Kentucky Wildcats. So, you know, we could definitely affirm, confirm that um, there was some Wildcats for that one. But um, Denver, you know, no one really considers them a threat. But last year, you know, it would have been a great situation for them if they was able to beat Portland. You know, but they weren't. Um, but, you know, prior to, before I dive into the Nuggets almost being Portland. You know, I know y'all know I, I didn't really, uh, obviously didn't post a podcast episode last week. You know, normally when I do a podcast, I do it because I'm having fun. I'm doing it for therapeutic purposes. Um, I'm doing it to get my thoughts off, to clear my mind, and, you know, because it's fun. You know, but these past couple of weeks, you know, it's, it's, it's been a lot, you know, weighing on everybody. And, you know, I realized about this podcast, I wasn't really in a fun mode. So I, I, I didn't really want to, you know, give off bad energy, lethargic energy. So I just had to, you know, load management it and, you know, set the week out. You know, see what's going on. Because it's a lot going on out there, man. But I realized, you know, the right changes will be made. The right things will happen. The right people will be put in place. Uh, you know, but I also realized that, you know, doing this podcast, it's going to help me out, you know, take my mind off of it for a little bit. And, you know, just, just to keep my a regular flow going just as much as I can because, you know, taking that week off podcast, it just sort of did throw me off a bit of, of my routine and, and my mindset and how I normally do things. But... There's definitely a lot going on out there, and, you know, changes need to be made, but at the same time, you know, a lot of people, you know, mentally drained, physically drained, but, you know, at some point, I, I got to make sure that you know, I keep my mental state, my mental in the, in the right mindset, you know, no matter what's going on, and because, you know, I can't let that, I can't let everything that's going around bring me down. I gotta find a way for it to bring me up so somehow I can influence or help somebody else make the proper adjustments of what's going on right now. But yeah, back to the back to the nuggets. You know to beat Portland there might have been a better matchup for the Warriors, you know, but they couldn't beat them. And I was like, damn blood. Cause that game, honestly, I didn't really know who to root for. But the game was lit. Lillard played like he was hungry and shit. He balled the fuck out. 
just for the Blazers to blow four 17-point leads against the Warriors. That's just ridiculous. Like, I know Lillard's ribs was, was messed up and shit, but god damn, four 17-point leads? And I hate seeing sweeps in the playoffs in general because it's, it's just not fun. It means less basketball games to watch. And the only time I like watching a sweep is if the Knicks are doing it, but that hasn't been the case in quite some time. And to be exact, the last time it happened was when I was in the second grade. It was when they swept the Atlanta Hawks after they upset the Heat in five games in the first round. No, but the Knicks have been swept by the Nets and the Celtics, respectively, this century. But at least we have to beat the Celtics. And that's our only playoff series win this decade. And to be honest, the, the Celtics did sweep us, but... We should have won the both of the games on the Celtics home court, but you know they got lucky that Murray was hurt, Phillips was hurt, two of our three best players were hurt, and we only lost by one or two games. But normally, when a team loses two close games, that's just mentally daunting, and you're gonna lose game three in blowout fashion. That's exactly what happened. Game four was close, but they lost. It was one of the most fakest sweeps ever, because. The Knicks would have easily won the first two games and won that series, but you know, it just shows you how important momentum is because they lost the first two games by a total of three points. Three points. They lost by 92-91, I think, and 80-87, so maybe even two points, but both those games, last possession, and we don't got two of our three best players. Most doing everything he can, but you know, just wasn't enough. 42 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists. Yes, beast mode, man. He was out there, man, but they just couldn't win. Couldn't win a game. Because that Celtics team was stacked. So it got swept, but it wasn't as bad as the optics made it seem, even though they didn't get swept, though. But, you know, back to talking about sweeps. Oh, but the Nets, yeah, the Nets, they handled us pretty good, man. That's, the Knicks had no chance in that one. But we should have beat the Celtics, though. I will say that. If we was healthy, we was beating the Celtics. No, but I hate seeing sweeps in the conference finals because, you know, that's when you really when you, when you really realize that the NBA is really coming to an end at a faster clip. And then the team that usually sweeps the other team, like they get interviewed like, oh, who do you prefer to play and shit? I'm like, yo, fuck all that, man. Like, I should have lost a couple of games. Like, if you're in the conference finals, please show up. Plain and simple. Uh, I was pretty upset with the Hawks. More like 60 games or some shit. Playing against the Cavs. Like, I knew the Cavs was going to beat them. The Hawks got swept, man. I was disappointed. You know, that was one of those Hawks teams where all of them made the All-Star team. Jeff T, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver. I'm missing somebody, but they have four All-Stars, man. Ain't nobody trying to see all of them in the All-Star game. This whole, I get it, reward-winning shit, but at the same time, it's about entertainment as well, you know. Um, I, I don't think they should have four All-Stars. Paul Millsap, yes, Kyle Culver, I don't know. But hey, it is what it is. At some point, they got to stop doing that shit. But, um, Speaking of the team that came back from those four straight 17-point deficits, Steve Kerr and all that, 
you know, he be saying the right things at the right time because even if you don't like him, you will have a hard time saying anything bad about him in public or amongst your friends and all that, you know. He was asked about Mike Jordan and he responded by saying, you know, I owe him everything because it wasn't until I started playing with Jordan where uh, I was able to establish my career and, and post-career. Um, he basically said that he balled out because, you know, he was with Jordan getting money, getting buckets. And um, Jordan fucked with him, even though Jordan, like, hit him in the face or whatever. And ever since that, since Jordan's respecting him and he's did good with the bowls, mid-cut shots, he got all these opportunities post-career. You know, he got these chances and, and made the most of them. And I think we all should be aspiring to make the most of our opportunities because, you know, I'm pretty sure there's other people that have had, you know, great opportunities to do great things and just failed, even though it was right in the hand. You know, um, speaking of Michael Jordan, you know, he decided to donate 100 M's for uh, this whole decade to improve and reduce racial issues, um, how the money will be used and how who it goes to, I'm not sure. But I know this is not his first go around and hopefully, you know, that money does go to the right people. Um, I know he's donated money for uh, this cause before. And, um, you know, hopefully it inspires change, it inspires uh, instills the right education and the right programs for people to see these changes actually, you know, happen. You know, but also what I'm seeing is this new thing of where comparisons are being made of the best off-court athletes ever. You know, I said in one of my previous episodes in this in this podcast that I could see this happening. You know, but this podcast is only up to its 27th episode, and I didn't think it would happen that fast. But um, people are coming up with the goal, the goal athletes of all time, off the court golf athletes. And this is a clear sign that we have way too much time on our hands. You know, I heard LeBron's name nominated, which is cool, and a few others. But personally, I feel like this is a situation where we should just appreciate all the good gestures from all these athletes that do something positive. You know, especially if they're genuinely doing it from the heart, like if they're not doing it for the look. And this isn't no shot to nobody, I'm just saying. You know, because I'm pretty sure there are athletes out there that have been doing great things and uh, we have no idea about it, so. Um, you know, like, shout out to Jenna Rose. You know, like, he opened up a school, is doing well, and I only know that he cares about his city and his people because... It wasn't announced or anything, but he did it out of love. And he wanted the next generation to succeed. And I'm pretty sure that he's done other amazing things, but we don't know. And that's the only thing that we know. And I don't think I heard it directly from him. I saw it in a news article. And then eventually when I think people were asking Jenna Rose about LeBron, that's when Jenna Rose brought it up like, hey, uh, I'm doing my thing too, by the way, you know. Well, we know LeBron could have asked Jenna Rose for some pointers and stuff. You know, we never know. But he's definitely doing his thing as a philanthropist. He's doing his thing on ESPN. My man's got the killer hell on, man. I will say that. Uh, 
to Kemi Matumbo awfully underrated uh, when it comes to his philanthropy. You know, um, he basically put the whole continent of Africa on his back. You know, he opened up about a million schools and hospitals and all of that good stuff. And um, some people were saying, you know, Matumbo don't count because he's not doing that in America. And my response was just like Matumbo's. No, no, no. No, no, no. With the finger wag. Like, nah, that shit count, bro. Like, you damn near put a continent on your back. I remember some kids, like, I don't know how to say it properly, but their faces was, like, messed up due to birth. Like, there was just something wrong. And, you know, he got the doctors from America to pull up and, and f fix about you know, three to four babies' faces, like, they had some serious conditions. It was like an eight-year-old kid with a serious jaw issue. Got that fixed. So, the Matumbo's done a lot of great things for his continent. And, you know, we probably don't hear a lot about his philanthropic activities because, um, you know, he's out in Africa and he's keeping it low, I guess. Um, you know, back to Jordan, you know, we, we know that uh, last year he opened up a couple of hospitals in Charlotte and uh, underprivileged neighborhoods and areas where uh, the cash flow isn't as available in other neighborhoods. Um, you know, he donated his salary uh, after 9-11 had occurred. Mentioned the 100 million earlier. And, you know, Jordan's not big on announcing his moves. Like, I remember him saying that it felt weird when um, he was announcing the opening of this hospital because it's just not his style. And um, back to LeBron, you know, we know that he's done a lot off the court as well. You know, we know about the schools and other activities. So, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people already know what LeBron has done because we see it um, in lifetime, you know, because he's, I guess, I don't know how to put it properly, but, you know, he's a current player in the NBA. He's the best player. And basically, he's under a microscope, so we basically see everything he does. And, um, you know, my assessment of all of this is um, all of them have had a great impact. I don't think one, no one has one more, more of an impact than another. I think they all have had a great impact. I don't think one has done more. I think they've all done the best to their capabilities. And, you know, with that being said, I'm thankful for these players for doing these great things and doing it from the pureness of their heart. Um, but as far as comparing athletes off the court, of who's the best off the court athlete, nah, bro, we're not doing that, bro. That's, that's too much time on our hands. We, we got to do other shit. We can't be doing that. You know, we're talking about sports, man. I never heard no one have a favorite player because of some off-court activities. I never heard of that shit. Like, yo, you know what? Um, the King of Matumbo is my favorite player because he's up on these hospitals. No, someone's Matumbo is somebody's favorite player because he was blocking everybody's shot. You know, so LeBron is somebody's favorite player because of what they're seeing him doing on the court. You know, that's where the fandom starts. Appreciation is happens later. You know, you know, but it just sucks that that they announced the NBA is gonna come back and it's still about six weeks away and shit. It's mad far. You know, but it's good seeing the NBA talks again. You know, with all the potential scenarios of what would happen with the NBA moving forward and whatnot. 
You know, they originally said July 31st, but now they're saying July 30th, which is something I like to hear. You know, I also want to give a shout out to to Mitch Robinson. You know, he has taken down a record of Will Chamberlain. And Will Chamberlain has owned a lot of records, and he will continue to do so. You know, the record he, the record he took down of Will Chamberlain was... The field goal percentage one, you know, he shot about 74% from the field this year. And Will Chamberlain's field goal percentage was 72.7%. So, I'm happy for Mitch. You know, I'm a Nick, and I'm happy for Mitch. You know, but contrary, contrary to popular belief, I think people think that Will Chamberlain's, uh, like his field goal percentage is whole high because all he does is dunk the ball, but that's not the case. He had a lot of points from fadeaways and shit like that. So I will say I still am more impressed with Will Chamberlain's 72.7% from the field because not all of his baskets are around the paint, which everybody thinks. You know, um, I know a lot of people think that he just dunks the ball, he lays it up, he dunks the ball, he lays it up. But he actually did more than that. You know, he had the fadeaway bank shot before Timmy D. Nobody was blocking that shit. And he wasn't even allowed to dunk the ball like that. So, that's why I get peeved when people try to play my guy Will. You know, he had this wicked finger roll move that has yet to been been duplicated. You know, till this day I haven't seen it. You know, um, but I should also, I feel like I should have a segment with Will every episode just to keep his name alive. That is something to consider. You know, I'm tired, I'm tired of seeing these records that say the modern day era or some shit like since 1975. Like that's the amount of time that, you know, Will Chamberlain retired. You know, if he wasn't really all that, why was he getting offers to play until he was 50 years old? You know, let's not forget the fact that he was most definitely out here. You know, speaking of being an off the court athlete. You know, Will could Will Will Will's, Will's name is in there. You know, um, you know the stats. The stats speak for themselves. You know, it's a whole different category. Speaking of uh, giving up, he was definitely doing that. You know, um, if you if you know about Will and his off the court activities, you know what I'm talking about. But um, Will was also important for women's sports as well. You know, he funded a lot of volleyball movements and. and that were going on at that time, and he was also funding Women's Track. Um, he wasn't vocal about it because he wanted to keep it on the down low. You know, some people say, some people worry about the stigma of doing it for the look. You know, I respect that too. You know, it comes a long way, but as long as it comes with the greater good, that's all that really matters. And, you know, Will Chamberlain is top three in my book, and I haven't published this book yet, but. At some point in my lifetime, I'm going to publish that book. But Will has done a lot off the court as well in terms of, you know, like I said, women's sports and a few other charities. But he, he also did it on the down low as well. But um, shout-outs to Will. That's my guy, you know. And, you know, also shout-outs to Mitch for getting that record. You know, I know Tyson Chandler, a.k.a. Ty Chan, also led the league in field goal percentage as a Nick as well. You know, even though one time he made a potential game winner, but a shot didn't count because he hit the ball on his head and it bounced out the rim. Excuse me, I just burped. 
Yo, still, they still got fireworks going off every night. I don't understand that shit. But it's cool. But back to the podcast. The score was 116-116 in Orlando, uh, where the NBA will be resuming. Uh, it was in 2014. Melo had 44 points and 11 rebounds that game. Hit all kinds of crazy shots. Off the spin threes. Spin move one dribble, pull up three. He had Tobias Harris looking all confused and shit. But back to Tyson Chandler. He catches the lob. He's in a position to do a reverse alley-oop dunk. He dunks the ball. He does that exact... The first... Catches it perfectly. The ball's going through the hoop. And somehow... He cocks his head back. And the ball pops out. And instead of counting the basket... They want to go ahead and call offensive goaltending. I was offended by that call. That shit literally was about to go through the net. Like, it's about to pass through the net. But somehow, the way the ball went in and the way Chandler cocked his neck back, the ball popped out. Like, that shit was really basically in. And the rest was like, nah, bro. And then the Magic ended up winning that game by two points. I was sad. I was infuriated. I really had no words. And I'm pretty sure I proceeded to drink some Henny after that loss. You know, but... Then I saw Melo looking very melancholy. You know, he did what he could do. Nobody was mad at him. And I was just like, damn. And that was the season that the Knicks had the record for the most close games lost in the season. You know, so many of them, you know, are fresh in my mind. Like when... Brandon and I hit the game winner over Felton. Owen, Bradley Bill hit two game winners in the garden, not just one. This list is way too long. But it's not as long as the list of lies that these news outlets be telling us. You know, I'll give you that. You know, it's lies all over the place. And now it's like we watch the news to know what's not true. You know, Denzel had this great quote about if you watch the news, you're misinformed. But if you don't watch the news, you're not informed at all. And um, to be honest, I don't know what's better. Because I still think it's important to see what's going on in the world so you're not out of touch. And one miscommunication can lead to a world of mistakes. And we've seen that happen to good people all the time. You know, as I was thinking about Will, I was thinking about players that have 100 point. Players have had that have had a hundred points in the game before, and I think Lisa Leslie did that at high school. I think Cheryl Miller has done it too, which is uh, Reggie Miller's sister. Um, shout out to the lady bowlers out there. You know, I will go get to them one day as well. Like they deserve it because, um, like unfortunately for Cheryl Miller, it's just stuff that um, the WNBA wasn't around when she was bowling out, getting busy. So. Um, you know, I gotta give respect to her, she was, she was nice. You know, I also want to give Lisa Leslie a shout out for, you know, protecting Kobe Bryant's name uh, shortly after his passing. You know, when some new, there were some news outlets that tried to, you know, put Kobe's name in the mud, and that was not cool. You know, she was asked how Kobe Bryant was as a person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The lady tried to paint Kobe as a predator and Lisa Leslie was like not chill with that 
And then the reporter was like, what you mean? And then she tried to spin a narrative and <clears throat> Lisa Leslie was like, nah, he wasn't like that. You know, it was nasty. And Kobe just passed away. And, and this is what you're trying to do. You know, um, his daughter passed away as well with seven other people. And the first thing you want to do is uh, the famous character. But uh, Lisa Leslie deserves more than just a segment for keeping Kobe's name in a positive life. And that's a fact. You know, uh, Dewan Wagner is another name. I came across this basketball card that I have of his. It's a book. It's a rookie basketball card. Um, he was the sixth pick of the draft. I think he went to Memphis. And he was drafted the year before LeBron got there. DeWan Wagner had a 100-point game in high school. And to me, that's very impressive. Uh, Lisa Leslie, I think she scored 102. Sharon Miller had about 106. So that's crazy. Like, so anyone that says out the 100 and it wasn't in a video game, I got to respect that shit, man. But back to DeWan Wagner, you know... Injuries cut his career short, so he couldn't stand the league long. But and I saw him play against the Knicks, and he scored about 26 or 28 points. And I could tell it wasn't a fluke because he had the vibrations of a basketball player that get buckets. Like, hey, he does this for a living, you know. Because I followed, you know, what he would do a few games afterwards. He scored 24, 26, 18, 22, so like, you know. 20, over 20 points consistently. You know, at some point he had a rookie wall. But then he got back on his shit. But, you know, his career didn't last long because he had some medical issues and it set his career back. And I thought to myself, like, yo, imagine him, LeBron and Carlos Boozer. You know, there could have been something right there. You know, um, they had something brewing if Wagner could have stayed healthy. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. And, and then Carlos Boozer and said, yo, F that, I'm gonna get my bread and I'm gonna go to Utah. You know, that's where he had the best touch of his career too, so I gotta give him that. And those Jazz teams were solid. That's Jerry Sloan for you. R.I.P. by the way. You know, he kept the, the Jazz solid for 23 years, man. A contender for 23 years. You gotta respect that. Something simple but yet so crazy. You know, a lot of good teams have lost to teams that keep going to the finals. Like, the Jazz, they lost to the Lakers, they lose to the Spurs. They're usually in the finals. Does that mean the Jazz suck? No, they just ran into a better team. You know, but back to Duane Wagner, you know, he was my kind of player. And he did what he did, but it was a score. Now I've seen that his son is like the number one ranked player in high school. So I'm happy for him. And I hope his son has a great long NBA career. And you know, hopefully he could fill his father's prophecy and get buckets. But it's also reminding me of how old I'm getting. You know that I'm seeing a basketball player. I saw play when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And now his son going to be in the NBA? Time really flying out here. But uh, shout-outs to everyone that has scored 100 points in the game. Uh, don't matter what level it's on. I've never seen any of these games loud. 
None. So shout outs to y'all, man. That's an amazing Oh, I almost forget about the dude from the D3 school. I think his name is Jack Taylor. You know, he took about a million shots. He didn't even cross half court. But I fucked with a heavy. I know the analytics fans weren't impressed with it, talking about, hey, he took 108 shots to get 138 points. Talk about having the green light. You know, one of my favorite reactions to him having 138 points was Kobe's reaction. And Kobe basically said, yeah, man, you know, you got to keep shooting. You know, that's my kind of player. And, you know, he said something along those lines, but it was some real Kobe shit. And that's what I liked about Kobe. Like, he let you know, like, you keep shooting, young blood. And he did. But the crazy thing about it was, speaking of analytics, he took a shot every 20 seconds. I'm thinking, how is that possible? And then I realized how it was possible. His team was full court pressing all game, which uh, increased the pace of the game tremendously. Cause teams don't even take time. Like teams don't even take ten shots in the game. Not ten shots, but like a shot every ten seconds normally. Like normally dribbling the ball to court, you get your offense set. But since they was full court pressing. I guess it really picked the pace up the game. And the final score of the game was 179 to 104. And that's a crazy score for a game that's only 40 minutes long. It wasn't even 48 minutes like how it is in the NBA. So I think, you know, Jack Taylor should definitely be one of the original Jack boards. And Travis Scott should hit the homie up and see what's up with Jack Taylor so he could enjoy he could join the Jack the, the Jack Boys gang and whatnot. You know, in case y'all was wondering about my career high, I know y'all wasn't worried about that shit, but it was about, it's not about, it was 33 points and I didn't miss a shot that game. I was firing from all cylinders. I was seven of seven from threes, five of five from twos, and I made both of my free throws. And we lost that game by one. The most painful part, I ain't even gonna take the last shot. I was hurt. I'm gonna break that game down one day, but not today. You know, um, I had a couple other perfect shooting games as well. When I was seven for seven, I scored 20 points, hit six shots from three pointers. I was a flamethrower on that court, man. You know, I don't wanna count the one on one game or the two for two games. That's mad disrespect. It also shows you that my, I had a team full of ball hawks, but it's all good. You know, I miss that shit, man. Where it was just playing basketball, watching basketball. And if I wasn't doing that, I'm playing NBA Live for 2K. But my favorite game will always be NBA Showtime. You know, that game was legendary to me, and it will never be forgotten. That game is also therapy for me for some reason. You know, I don't have temper tantrums when I play that game. 2K, forget about it. 2K gets my blood boiling, man. And that's why I haven't played 2K on the serious note since about 2K15. You know, I realized I be the most heated when I'm either playing 2K or watching the next play. So I know that I was going to continue watching the next play, so I had to retire from 2K. Otherwise... I just be a madman. 
But why be a mad man when I could beat a man? And now I could tell everybody, and I could tell everybody, I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I miss those Dr. J Beats commercials where every moment turned into like an inspirational moment. Like the reporter asks him a tough question, and all of a sudden, like Richard Sherman put his Drake beats on, or Draymond Green put his Drake beats on, and and then they could tell everybody. But I like this song. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I never really tell my friends that I like that song. I just listen to that song on my own. Uh, the, the name of the artist is, I think is like Alo A L O E, so Alo Black is the name of the artist and. The name of the song is I'm the Man. But uh, ever since I put my, uh, my jersey up, uh, in terms of 2K video game wise, I feel more liberated. I know a lot of people enjoy playing 2K. And I want to say to you guys that you guys got amazing self-control and I respect it. Not to mention that I wasn't good at 2K, but with that being said, I experienced Express the same frustration, my same frustration issues as my parents did. I wasn't that bad either, but I would lose focus. Shit would get boring to me. I'd get upset when I miss an open layup with somebody and then someone else hits a contested three-pointer. But what really pissed me off was target passing. Like, I see somebody open for a layup, but they're going to pass the ball back out where... Somebody's double team, like you see this person's open, why are you gonna pass it that way? And Bulls is like, no, yo, you gotta target pass, bro. If you target pass, the computer passes it to who you wanna pass it to. And I'm thinking like, yo, this is a damn computer. The computer should know who's open. Like, yo, this dude is open. I'm looking at the dude as well. Like, imagine I'm looking at you. You're right in front of me and I'm talking to you. But I'm not, I'm talking to the person to the side of me. What kind of dumb shit is that? Like, imagine, I'm, talk I'm talking while looking at you, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person to the side of me. And I'm pretty sure that person would be confused too. But that was 2K in a nutshell. You know, but once I took the target passing seriously, I was alright. But I still hated that shit. But, um, you know, um, back to the state of this world, though. It's almost like the book of... 1984 is coming into fruition. It's a book by um, George Orwell. But there's a few books like that, you know, um, that will predict the future. That would be sort of something similar to this. And most of these books, they came out in the 1950s. And some of them even earlier than that. Um, the world looking a little bit scary. And like, if you want to get an understanding of what's going on, no, you really gotta read that book, or even read the book called um, Animal Farm. You know, at some point, we all gotta take a step back and, excuse me, see what's really going on. And I'm talking like a James Harden step back, like how sometimes he travels on his step backs. He don't travel on all of his step backs, but some of them he does. And that's why it's hard for the referees to blow those whistles. And that's almost the situation of the world. It's hard to tell when someone's doing something right or something wrong. It's hard to recognize you know, people's motives, what it's really about. Like, it's getting, it's getting critical. I know it sounds like I'm speaking in code, 
that's what I do. The message is in the message. You know, we gotta take some steps and reflect the people's going on, and that way we can save the world. You know, I feel like some of those conspiracies that we call conspiracies are sitting right there in front of our face, and and people are ignoring it. But um, let's just hope for the best. You know, the summer definitely, the summer definitely feel like it's here, and I just hope we can all enjoy it. I think it's gonna be a hot summer and a hot winter. It's gonna be turned up. It's been a lot of people that have been preserving the energy for fun vibes, and I completely respect it. You know, this is a summer for yo. It's been a minute since we linked up, and actually linked those people up that you've told it's been a minute. Let's link up. Including myself, I've been saying to people, yo, let's link up, and it's been over three years, and I still ain't linked those people up. So, and I think this is the time to do it more than ever. No, with all this shit going on and and everything we've been throughout this year, this is the year to link those people with those with those positive vibes. You know, it's been a wake up call to really get to where you need to, and let's all get to our destination safely. And you know, let's be on point. Let's get this money. You know, one of my favorite David Paul moments was. I think all of our moments, all of our favorite moments, was when he said, Where is Ja? Can somebody get a hold of him? You know, it's always going to be a classic. You know, it's crazy that it was 19 years ago and, you know, another, tra another tragedy has happened into this world. It's actually not one tragedy, it's happened in America, the same situation has happened in France. Spain and another this incident of what happened to George Floyd has happened to three other people across the world and in America it's getting a bit worse oh, we see more and more people uh, that are winding up dead and um, normally I don't talk about these things in my podcast but I guess I have to sort of address it and just hearing these situations hearing these stories you know um, it gets depressing, but then Dave Chappelle had a stand-up, and I was thinking about that Ja Rule line, and I was sort of in my mind thinking, where is Dave Chappelle? And then, bam, out of nowhere, you know, he dropped his, I don't know if it was a comedy, but you know, normally it's a, it's a comedy, he has a comedy special, but this is more of a, a intellectual stand-up he had. He was providing us information, he was providing us insight, and I think he came in at the perfect time and had a great 30-minute session. You know, I wish it was more than that because when I when I listen to Dave Chappelle talk, I, I need a good hour, hour and a half, two hours, run it back just to process everything he said, was try to understand his perspective and why he was saying it and why he said it the way he said it. You know, I feel like I was just getting into it. His stand-up, and then it just ended. It was about 28 minutes long. And I just wish it was longer. But, um, he hit the nail on the head. You know, he addressed all the issues that are going on and why people feel the way that they're feeling. And, you know, how we all got to figure this out together. You know, I suggest you guys to, um, definitely go see it. Not see it, but 
Yeah, go see it, go watch it, now. You know, see what he says, you know. They say comedians are like the modern day philosophers and are tremendously underrated when it comes to, you know, addressing how educated they are. Because you normally go to comedians for therapy and laughs and, you know, sometimes you got to go for them for their insight. And, um, you know, Dave Chappelle was able to do that. And, you know, one of the more impressive parts, even though that stand-up was the fact that, you know, how t- turbulent these times are, you know, he was still able to make his laugh. So, you know, shout-outs to him. Um, you know, the NBA announced earlier that um, they moved the date up from July 31st to July 30th. And um, three preseason games we played from July 22nd to July 29th. And I'm excited for that shit. I'm going to be honest. Um, of course, I'm saying I'm a lot. I should not be saying I'm a lot. I've been working on saying or not saying no, but I've been saying it. That's my apologies. But uh, back to Kyrie and Steven Jackson, Ed Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Austin Rivers. Um, you know, they all have different stances. Dwight Howard, uh, Avery Bradley is back, is in the loop as well about the NBA season resuming. You know, they're, they're focused on so social justice reform and um, taking down systematic racism. Uh, I understand everyone's perspective, uh, but the person who I agree with the most is probably Ed Davis and Austin Rivers. Um, I'm paraphrase the best to the best of my abilities. They basically said that um, you know, they're not, not every basketball player makes the money that Kyrie makes, LeBron makes. You know, a lot of players they make millions, yes they do, but they make millions. So their lifestyle is more expensive than ours, but it's the same shit. So since they got a bigger car, I mean since they got more money, they're gonna buy a more expensive car, bigger house. And they're doing it basically expecting more money coming in their pockets. And I know money's not the most important thing, but it's also important that if you want to spread these messages that, you know, the players that are in the NBA that are black, they're making sure at least that they're financially taken care of so they can step out and do what they got to do. You know, um, some of these players, they have contracts on the line. Coaches have their head coaching careers on the line. You know, I'm, it seems as if this is all not important at the moment, but it's still important to that person. We can't tell someone how important so something is to them. You know, we could tell someone, hey, this is bigger than you, even though it probably is. But this is also something that's important to them. You know, it's important for their livelihood, important for their families. You know, you just take away a couple million out of someone's bank account out of nowhere, it's gonna hurt your pockets, you know. And, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people say, hey, well, they're making millions. That's true, but it still comes with more expectations. You know, should, should they be more financially responsible for in case something like this happens? Yes. But uh, 
it's easy to say <clears throat> that this whole country needs to be more financially responsible, including myself, including a lot of people. No one was prepared for this pandemic. And then everything that followed it. So, I understand Kyrie's stance. I understand Steven Jackson's stance on trying to shut down the NBA until everything is taken care of. You know, I, I, I think you would all prefer everything to be taken care of as soon as possible. But we don't know how long that is. And um, to be honest, I remember when the last lockout happened, you know, the crime rates go up. And that's why another reason why I think it's important for the NBA to resume because it will cut down the crime rates. It's less violence. So, you know, people were saying that the owners are white. They will be making a lot of money if the NBA comes back. But we also got to take into consideration that a lot of the players are black. So, you will be taking money out of the black people's community as well, the black players' community as well. You know, it's just not about the guys up top. It's not about the guys up top. Kyrie could do it. The owners could do it. It's about the players that don't make that kind of money. They probably can't do it. They probably need the bread. You know, I don't need them to write me an essay. I could just understand. Okay, I need this money. You know, um, with them having that money, it will also help them spread their awareness and put money in places where the proper changes can happen. You know, money is necessary to make certain things happen, whether we like it or not. You know, you gotta invest in people. You gotta invest in programs. You know, there are a lot of nonprofit organizations that seek money. But when you have the money, you can make the changes yourself. It's not yourself, but it's easier to make those changes. You know, uh, so hopefully, you know, these changes happen and be a player's got to play. Uh, if the players don't want to play, they got to report back by June 24th, if they want to play or not. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. And yeah, Austin Rivers, Ed Davis, there's a lot of players that don't make you know, that kind of money. And now they're used to making that kind of money. It's the lifestyle that they're used to. So I understand that. You know, a lot of times, you know, they say once you start making X amount of money, you gotta live the way you were currently. How do I say this? So basically, if you make 60000 a year, and then out of nowhere, you start making $120,000 a year, it's good to live like you're still making $60,000 a year. And then a couple of years later, even though you're making $120,000 for three years now, now you can start living like that. Could you save some money? But, you know, who am I to tell someone how they should spend their money when I've never had that kind of money? So that's just my take on it. You know, but you take, but if you could add money to somebody that was for the cause, that can only help, you know. So what I'm hearing is all the players that have made their money that want to do this. And the face of the NBA, which is LeBron James, he wants to play. And, you know, he said that, how could I forget LeBron's, LeBron's take? So LeBron basically said, yo, I want to play 
and I want to make a change. I think that's fine. And I, I think that's what's going to happen. You know, players are going to play, most of them, and changes will happen. And I'm just leave that at that. That's my take on that. I don't want to dive too much into it, but that's my take on that. I also want to give a, you know, a rest in peace to all the people that have passed away in the past couple of weeks, that have passed away tragically. I also want to give a rest in peace to a basketball legend as well, Wes Unseld. You know, he was able to win Rookie of the Year and the MVP of the league in his rookie season. That's pretty impressive. I mean, obviously... He was the inventor of the outlet pass. And I think he did help the Bullets win a chip. Yeah, the Bullets won a chip with him. Underrated big man, forgotten big man. Also coached the Bullets, I believe. Um, You know, to be honest, he looked the same, like, his whole life. Like, Like, I never seen him. Like, when I saw Bullet. Was until when he was 60, he still looked 40. And when Marcel said was 30, he still looked 40. <laughs> like, he always looked the same. But uh, his teammate was, he also, was until also played with um, Kevin Love's father. And I think that's where Kevin Love learned about the whole outlet passing, being an outlet passer. Catching a rebound, throwing it down the court. You know, that was from myself, so he got that inspiration from. So I just thought that would be a cool gym to throw in there in case, you know, people didn't know how Kevin Love became such a good outlet passer. You know, so much unsettled. You know, so rest in peace to him as well, a basketball legend. Uh, you know, uh, it wasn't really messing the news like that because of everything that's going on, but I do have his basketball court. So he is a bowler. And uh, with that being said, guys, I'm going to head out. I'm going to holler at the gang. I'm going to holler at y'all. Y'all be safe. Enjoy y'all life. And, you know, fight for what's right. You know, go Knicks. Go NBA. Go people. Let's get this unity popping, man. Let's do it. I'm going to holler at y'all. Y'all, I'm out.